What's up, guys? We got some people watching. We got some people hanging out with us. All right, let's get this thing started, Dave. What do you say? No, go on. I suppose I fucking have to. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by by you guys at Patreon. Thank you, everybody who's part of the Patreon. We're also brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. And we are brought to you by supplementsource.ca. Check them out if you're up in Canada. And if you are in the UK, you're going to need labs. Go to eval. Talk to Dave. Eval blood analysis.com. Dave? That's right. Since you mentioned we had viewers, two of them have pissed off. They had enough. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess. What's up with that? What's going on, man? Uh, it's been oh, a long time, Dave. We have a lot of stuff to well, do today. You went and got married. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, one of the uh, best decisions I made. Obviously, Victoria has committed a very serious criminal offence to be tied to you for the rest of her life, but uh, I'm sure she'll endure a punishment with pride. Yes. We, uh, we've we got a bunch of stuff today. We have questions from the last episode. Uh, and if you guys want to take part in the next episode, then comment on uh, the latest episode on this episode on YouTube. Uh, we would be happy to tackle your questions the next time that we record. Uh, we will be getting back to our regular schedule now. This program comes out every Monday. Making your Mondays better um, if you're new here, I encourage you to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, all of that, because we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. Our topic for the day, Dave, uh, it's getting close to tax season. That means a lot of people are going to be getting uh, like return returns, refunds from uh, the government, and they're going to come into some money. And if they're if they're bros, the first thing they're going to think of is what cycle should I run? So my question to you today, Dave, is what should you spend your money on for gear on your tax returns? Well, I need a budget. I mean, are we talking thousands? I it depends on how much somebody makes, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if, you know, if, if we're talking thousands, there's definitely a different, you know, shopping list at thousands as there is to hundreds. Well, let me ask you this. If somebody's getting thousands back on their tax returns, should they be blowing that all on gear? <laughs> My starting suppression. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck with finding that, first of all. Uh, and second of all, yeah, I just, yeah. Let's 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 focus on the, the things people can get. Uh, we've got your... No, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I I that I think you're looking at a good ten thousand, but I I think that's that's where you're at. That's How much money flat. do you think we're making, Dave? We I know you you make the big bucks with email and everything. You, yeah, Mister. Uh, I don't get money back. Uh, I no, because don't, don't. I don't. Yeah, I have to pay all my taxes at tax return time, so it's not fun for me. But there are a lot of people that are going to be getting some money back. Let's say they get. You know, I don't know. Let's say they get a thousand bucks back. What are you going to do with that thousand bucks? Yeah, but then you've got to also see, Scott, that you don't declare what you earn either. So your taxes <laughs> are not proportional. That's why your mattress is so thick. Let's not talk about Dave. Are you trying to get me in trouble here? We could have some auditor watching. We don't. We don't joke about things like this. Um. Right. So we're saying a thousand pounds. 
I was gonna say a thousand dollars, but what's a thousand pounds worth, like dollars wise, US dollars? That's twelve hundred, I think. Thirteen, fourteen hundred. Is that know. it? Okay. I don't know what the exchange rate is at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's say you get, you know, let's say you get fifteen hundred back, and you're gonna allocate one thousand of that to uh, to your gear fund. How do you oh, set that fuck up? It up? That's a lot of money on gear. It sure is. Uh, we talking bulk? We talking cut? We we talking anything in particular? Ooh, by the way, I got to tell you, uh, Elijah, I have a special shout out for you uh, a little bit later on the show. Uh, he's with us, the guy who sent me the pen. Um, but it, let's say it's a let's say it's um, I mean, we're coming into summer now. So let's say it's a cut. You know, a lot of people are going to want to if you are going to get ripped for the summer. Also, the contest season is upon us. Uh, early shows are starting now. Let's say people want to get in shape, whether it be for a contest or just to look freaking awesome in front of their male friends uh, at the gym during the summer in their tank top. Um, so I'm going to go with two. So first one is more cut. Second one is more recomp. Okay. Three IU growth AM. Fasted, pre-cardio, EOD. Recom, test, mass primo. Sorry, um, no, sorry, cut, test, mass primo. Um, depending on level of development, I would probably look at 444, maybe a bit more if they are a bit further up the, the ladder. And then uh, if it was recomp, I would do the same, but I would go test master MPP. Hmm. You like the MPP, huh? I I I just think Nandrolone has, has a, a has an unfounded reputation for being a wet drug. And I personally think that done right, in the right circumstances, it can yield very nice lean gains. Yeah. But that's why I'm only giving a third of the cycle to it, whereas, and then test and mass for the other two thirds. I mean, you could also put no DMP. Well, I wasn't looking at fat burners, no, uh, apart from the GH. I mean, we could also look at topping a tail of the GH and putting some PM to increase recovery as well. Some PM. Yeah, some PM. What's PM? Uh, Post meridian, afternoon, evening, you know, nighttime. Post meridian. Oh. Hmm, that's what okay, I understand. Um, uh, what else? Let me think. I mean, obviously, you can comfortably spend some pretty big money when you start looking at a couple of blood tests in there and and support products and all the rest of that stuff as well. Sure. I would lean, I'm going to assume, let's do this. I'm going to assume that they're already running TRT or Cruise because I feel like that's what everybody's mm. doing nowadays. Uh, I, I'm going to say, because I'm picturing this guy wants to be in awesome shape for the summer. This is the summer of muscle, shredded muscle, 2022. Yeah. So I'm going to go with 
We're going to up that test a little bit. In fact, we're going to go to Sustanon because for some reason, Sustanon has always been my personal favorite testosterone. Uh, and we are going to add to that. Uh, we're going to run that with Clen starting. It's going to be a 16-week cycle. We're going to start that for the first six weeks. We're going to slowly taper the Clen, as I explained on the last episode. And then from there, we are going to add in uh, long-acting mast around 10 weeks out. And then from there, so, we're, we're going to add in a little bit of trend, just like 50 milligrams every other day of trend ACE for the last six weeks. Question. Dave, David. Thank you, sir. So, sir, is is this a uh, pre-comp cycle? Because this sounds to be more on the going for comp rather than just a tidy up for the beach. Now we're going to get absolutely peeled for the beach, man. There's no just oh, tidy so. up. If you're going to run gear, you damn well better get peeled. That's all I got to say. Okay, I just I I have a hard time in in saying fat burners on on a on a cosmetic cook. I think you're going to be able to. Here's what I think: you could do it without it. There's no question in my mind. Um, but that said, you will be able to get leaner faster and take it further in a given period of time with that fat burner in. So I would definitely, oh. if I were to only pick two things to diet on. I would pick test and clean. Like, honestly, if you asked me contest prep, you could only do two things. I'd want the test in there to help support the muscle. Obviously, you know, AI as well as needed for to keep your estrogen under control while you're losing fat. Um, and then from there, I would add clean. Those would be my, my two go-to. So I think the master on then from there just helps with adding that nice cosmetic look and then a little sprinkle of trend at the end, uh, I think you're going to even get more leanness, more hardness, and how you you'll probably end up looking fuller and bigger as a result too. So, I, I my thought is, man, get absolutely peeled. Don't don't mess well, around. If you're going to go the fuller and, and harder route, then just throw some fucking oxys in for the last two weeks. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know what I like about the long acting masteron? It is something that you can kind of ride out. Uh, like you know, I'll work with guys that are in their 40s, say, and they don't want to go crazy with the gear. And and if you just say they're on TRT, if you bump that test up a little bit, you had a small amount of Masteron, like we'll say even like like 300 milligrams would be plenty of the long-acting Masteron. That's something I feel like you can sustain that better than you could with using like a Masteron probe where you have to do every other day shots. Oh, no, I, I, I see no advantage to mass prop, really, uh, from a point of view of cycle design. Um, I, I would always go in. I, I don't see an advan a real real world advantage to running, running prop, um, unless you particularly need to get it out of your system quick for a particular reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, back in the day, man, um, I remember asking people, you know, why don't you use uh master on an f8 versus master on propanate and i had guys tell me well i just i just you know try to stick with the short esters and i have a feeling that it's just not worth taking that risk but i took the they, risk they, and i found nowadays man i don't see a, a difference between the two in results no there's there's been a long standing and, and and there is some anecdotal that supports it but there's been a long standing that fast acids are better for cutting 
Um, I don't think that's particularly concrete. Um, and I don't think it has a huge impact. At the end of the day, the best thing for cutting is your fucking diet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, I prefer the long acting esters. I think it's just cleaner and simpler and easier to play with. Um, but, um, you surprised me at Clem. Yeah. I didn't think that would be your go-to fat burn. Yeah. Yeah. No, Clem's my favorite. I'd say Clem is my favorite. In fact, people who aren't even using gear, I think it's a, a great fat burner for them, especially. I do think that. The, you know, I was just talking about this with somebody this morning. We were talking about ECA. And I do feel that I do get more of a, just a better look with Clen. I mean, part of it is probably, you do get a, like a, a mild diuretic drying like effect from Clen. You know, you start you Clen even at a low dose and you'll see a couple pounds drop within that first week usually. I think a lot of that is fluid loss. Uh, but I, I just, I see more... I'll tell you what, man, when somebody's pushing ECA and they're dieting hard, I feel like they get more washed out, more flat looking versus Clen. I don't I don't see that, man. And I hesitate to say anti-catabolic or anabolic, but I man, real world experience, I I feel like I've seen it. I think the 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 thing with ECA, I think ECA has a reputation of being a very mild, very easy fat burner in the sense of of issues with it and i actually find the worst i, I think it's a, it's not a mild fat burner at all and its side effects are surprisingly harsh yeah i'd agree um you know anxiety issues around eca use are huge addict addictiveness of eca is big um and you're right i i just think it gives a very this is going to sound probably a bit weird, but a very tired look to a physique. Yeah, a very drained look to a physique. Yeah, uh, I mean, a, I'd agree. You're, you're, fucking, you're fucking about with amphetamine, aren't you, at the end of the day? I mean, that's the family we're talking about. Kind of, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's, I know it's loose, but then you are, I mean, cleanse a pseudoephedrine as well. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I do agree. I don't think ECA gives a particularly good look from a bodybuilding point of view. I'll uh, I'll tell you what I noticed. I've used ECA in contest prep. What is Mrs. Meep doing? What is she saying over there? Uh, she wants to go out. Just give me a second. I'll throw it out. Dave's gonna throw his cat out. Oh, I think Come well, in, we lost the connection for a minute. I was. Oh, yeah. What was I gonna You're say? Gonna I was gonna say in. the thing I've noticed about ECA is oh. that uh, due to yeah. the short half life. I found that I would crash from it. So I'd wake up in the morning, I'd take my uh, ephedrine, and I'd usually take it with coffee instead of a caffeine pill because I like getting the caffeine from the coffee. And although I might not be getting quite as much caffeine, I, I like that effect. And I like getting to drink coffee. So I'll do that. But then like four to six hours later, it's out of your system. And I just go downhill fast. And then you've got to take that second dose. And versus Clen with that super, super long, slow half-life, I don't ever feel that I get the blast from it. But then I also don't feel like I get the drop from it either. <coughs> hey, welcome back to your program. That's my pleasure. All right. Let's talk about something else. What do you say? Do we have to? We got feedback. We should really, aren't we supposed to be talking about your wedding anyway? 
You know, I mean, you just got married, for God's sake. Was it I, a good day? Did you have a good time? You know? It was amazing, yeah. It was a fantastic day. But I, I don't think people are tuning in to the drug podcast to hear about my wedding, Dave. You might be surprised. Dave had some nice words to say. I asked him to sign our digital guest book, and he did. And he said some very nice things. I know it was difficult for him. And for that reason, I'm very grateful because I know it was hard. It was. I got the wife to do it. <laughs> uh, look at this. We had a bunch of feedback about you. You were talking about cheese on toast. We had several comments in a row about it. How many weeks out from a show can you have cheese on toast? Uh, bro, I'm eating cheese on toast every day for breakfast. I am also skinny as F. And uh, brown sauce on cheese on toast is amazing. Worcestershire sauce. Oh, for fuck's sake. Have you ever had Worcestershire sauce on never, cheese on never toast? Never in my life, no. I've had Worcestershire, but I've never had Worcestershire, no. Never. What's the difference? A lot. One doesn't exist. We have don't it. Start. Don't start. I've seen it that, don't, at the store. That, that, don't start. With I could go to deliberate. like target.com and probably show you a bottle right now. Don't start with your deliberate mispronunciation. <laughs> it's not big and it's not clever. You know what? I do um, want to I want to give a shout out to Elijah. Because he's one of our listeners. He's actually with us today. Uh, he makes uh, pens as a hobby, like ink pens. And look at this pen. He dropped me a message and he was like, hey, Scott, I would really like to make a pen for you. I have one that you would really like. And I'd like to make one for your new wife as a gift. And look at this thing. This is like, it. first of all, it says we the people on it. I can't get it close because it'll get fuzzy. Uh, and then it has, look at this. It's like a bullet on the end. And it's like a lever action rifle. Listen. It's a little lever action rifle bullet pen. I wanted to say thank you to him. Thank you very much. This is a very, very thoughtful uh, gesture, and I really appreciate it. And Victoria appreciates her pen as well. That is cool as fuck. It I is. I do like that. I but, do like that. That is cool as fuck. It has a nice weight to it, too. You know, it's like a nice, heavy pen. Feels good. So... Anyway, we did have a bunch of questions. Uh, okay. Oh, yes. And Elijah's still with us. I'm glad he got to hear that. Um, let's see here. I'm going to just take it from the top here. Oh, I like this. I said, uh, I told somebody we were recording and they said, uh, that works. Looks Looking forward to tomorrow's episode. We spoke yesterday. Uh, we can't let Dave slack off for too long. I, I agree. Uh, question for Dave. Where was the point of diminishing returns in terms of milligrams for injectables? What dosage is likely to provide the best results while staying as healthy as possible? It's a good question. It's an impossible question. What do you mean? This, there's so many variables uh, and it, it's so personalized it's you know at what point does a prime example when i did uc one four and a half gram right four and a half gram for nigh on 
Well, the total cycle length was six and a half months, seven months. Right? We'll I wasn't on four. Yeah, I wasn't. Nine I wasn't on four and a half G for the whole cycle, but I got up there fairly quickly. So, so four and a half G for five months. I came out of that relatively healthy, relatively feeling good. There was a little bit of a drop off towards the back end, but definitely feel really good. Second cycle felt like shit within three, four weeks. The reason why I felt so good on the first cycle was because I'd come off the back of a very long cut. I was fit. I was healthy. Loads of cardio. So there isn't a set milligram for health because it all depends on what precedes it, how healthy you are, what level of mass you're at, what level of conditioning you're at, how much cardio you're doing. There's all these things that impact it, genetic markers, you know, family histories, all these things impact it. So there isn't really a, a set limit for how much a single individual can or can't use. Yeah. Um, same with diminishing returns. You know, the first time I hit three gram, it was like, Jesus Christ, someone had laid in a blue touch paper and fucking put a rocket up my ass. The changes were literally daily. Uh, second time I visited three gram, nowhere near as significant. So it, it, it's 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 something that moves constantly with with depending on the environment the individuals in, uh, depending on often factors outside of their control. You know the lifestyle stress factors. You know yeah. how work is, how how the family is, how you're getting on with your missus. All these sort of things all play into how we tolerate drugs. Yeah. Um, I know people want a balance. I mean, the only thing you can say is less is more in, in, in the sense of you, you use the minimum amount to get the progress you require. And the only reason you're going to, where you're going to get away with that is if you really focus on diet and training being on this point as it possibly can be. But I mean, we, I'd say most people generally say a gram or below would be generally regarded as, as a relatively moderate cycle. Uh, and relatively harm conscious. Yeah. But at the same time, you run a TRT at 250 mega a week for four fucking years with no bloods and no look, and you're probably going to be a bit of a mess when you finally start looking at yourself with stuff like HDL and blood viscosity and things like that. So it, it just isn't that simple. Uh, I wish it was because I wish you could blueprint it and say, Look, if you do this, you go over that. That's when problems start. But I've seen problems start at 300 mega week. Yeah. You make a huge point, man. You really do. It is funny. Michael says, uh, I feel like when people ask a question like this, they're just asking for permission to blast 3,000 milligrams of gear, you know, which he, he does have a point there, you, you know, but that, I'll tell you what, I, I think you are right. You make a really valid point, man, that it really depends on where you're at going into that and, and everything about bodybuilding does. You know, I, I had a bunch of guys that competed toward the end of last season and, uh, you know, now a lot of those guys are coming to the end of a bulk phase, at least the first part of a bulk phase after that show. You know, we took time to recover and then get back into a position where they could run gear again. And then we hit it. And now we're 
you know, after that, they're going to run cycles again. You know, another, there's enough time to do another off-season cycle if they're going to run do a show at the end of the year. But that said, some of these guys had awesome results. I don't expect us to have the exact same results again on the next cycle because we we came off of a cut last time. Now we've come off of a bulk. Things are going to be different. It all depends on where you were before that. I, I find in general, and this isn't a rule that, that's casting stone by any standards, but I find in general, if you go into a bulk cycle relatively fit and healthy and everything else, you can get some really good progress. When you try to go into a second bulk cycle in the same period, i.e. the same year, it will never be as good. It will no. always be less and you're actually probably a bit better, more focused on a bit of a recomp for the second book rather than a continued book. Well, thank you, Donna. Um, Would you get some tea? I did get some tea, yeah. Is it tea time again in the UK right it now? It is always, always tea time in my American mug. Look at this, guys. Like I always like to say, I feel like we're getting to witness something here. Watching a real um, British guy have tea at tea time. I think it's kind of cool. A lot but, of culture in um, the show. The thing is, you never have enough time in between the cycles for your body to recover from the stresses of growing. And people don't realize how stressful and demanding that is. Yeah. I mean, the reason babies sleep so much, because they're growing. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah. You know? And, and so I, I do think it, to, to do back-to-back big bulks is rare and demanding and asking for a lot. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these guys, what we've done is kind of quit while we were ahead. Like, we could have kept pushing. Body fat's starting to accumulate a little bit. But if we can stop now, pull it back, uh, take a little bit of a health phase, take a little bit of a recomp phase, we didn't Mm. tap them out completely. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I like to do a heavy bulk. Then I like to go into more of a recomp where you're not gone truly full cut but you're much more conscious on, on body fat levels. You start to introduce a bit more cardio, yeah, yeah. but you've still got some of the old school wet bulking drugs in there. Um, and then and then after that, you'd go into a full-blown cup, into a cup. Michael's referring to Dave's tea, which was made fresh from Yorkshire. It is, cool. it is actually Yorkshire tea made with Yorkshire water. Ah, silly lad. In an American cup. In an American-made cup, that was, uh, yes, a Christmas present. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Fucking expensive American-made cup as well. <laughs> a lot of unions over here. <laughs> Thanks, Scott and Dave, for the great show. Uh, guys need to watch mm-hmm. Ted Lasso. Great, <coughs> lighthearted show about America meets British culture. This is from Alex Diamond. Huh. Um, you know the show? No, not ever heard of it. But no, he says British culture, not American culture. Just want to make that point. Okay. I get enough British culture on this show. I once a week is all I can handle. Uh, beyond that, I, I don't want to relive that uh, by watching another program on my own time. No. You know what I mean? No, I agree completely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's this? Um, how long can you run DECA with test? I've been on 600 milligrams of test and 450 DECA for like 30 weeks now, and I feel great. 
What do your labs look like? That's what I want to know. I would I would definitely be looking again at a blood test. Um, right. You can run what you want, when you want, for as long as you want, at whatever fucking dose you want. It's true. There is no rule that says you can't. The issue is that the longer you are on, the stresses and the negative impacts or the non-desired impacts of these drugs start to build. Yeah. So it, it's not that you can't do it. It's just that if you do it, it requires much more management and it requires much more diligence in how you manage your health. And there are going to be compromises. There generally yeah, I mean, are going to be compromises. Know, 500 mega tests for 10 weeks. You could probably quite comfortably do that without really ever looking at lab work, without ever really being concerned about health. It's not ideal, but you can do it. Yeah. Gram and half a test. You're going to start being a bit more health conscious now, and you're going to have to start to monitor things and actually put some things in place to to deal with the the non productive elements that a cycle of that size is going to create. Um, you know, start estrogen management. Second, the, the blood viscosity that needs to be looked at. HDL, though, test is the mother of a all for HDL adulteration, but you're still going to need to look at that. Yeah. Um, so that therein is is the answer it, it, you can do what the fuck you want but the higher the dose the more toxic the drug or the longer you're on the more you need to be conscious of managing your health agreed yeah i'd agree with that in fact i would say that we've seen there was it, it's not quite as much of a topic as it was six months ago but we've had a lot of talk in the last year about inositol and IP6 in trying to manage hematocrit. I, I think the reason we're seeing all of that talk is because there are so many people that are cruising on higher doses now. I found out firsthand, if you cruise on 300 milligrams, your blood's going to get thick over time. You know, Maybe not everybody, but I would say a lot of people. In fact, that's what I've come to find you know, the people I work with too. You know, that Cardio it, has a huge impact on that. It does. In fact, that's, you know, that's what Dante taught me. And I brought it here to the shows was dropping my hematocrit remember, from 57 to 50.1 in five weeks with cardio, you know, but, but that said, um, I don't think you're going to outrun thick blood long term if you continue to run high doses nonstop, you know, that what people need to recognize is that there is there is management of things. So cardio is incredibly good at managing thick blood, uh, and it will be very effective to a point. And endurance athletes do struggle with low hemo and low hematocrit and low RBCs because of their high level of cardio endurance. But when you start adding in chemical drivers, so you, you start having strong compounds that drive these things faster and harder, you start to have to need a chemical solution to a degree because it's just not going to cut it with something that's powerful and that mechanism of action. You know, you, you start taking oxys and then think you're going to cardio your way out of blood thickening from oxys. Ain't going to happen. That's an anemia treatment. You know what I mean? You want to... You're going to have to intervene with that with with physical bloodletting or IP6 or something of a similar nature. Yeah, yeah. I think the answer then is that 
you know, the, the simplest solution is, is take, take a little bit of downtime, you know, red blood cells turn over in, I believe it's like four or five weeks. So if you can take a little bit of downtime, give yourself, give yourself six weeks, increase the cardio, reduce the dose. You're not going to, it's not going to be the end of the world. You're not going to lose any muscle, you know? But if you take those little downtime periods to really pay attention to you, because I bet you a hundred bucks, man. And, the, and I, you know, I, I said it kind of jokingly, but I, I'm seriously, I would wonder if he's looked at his lab work in this period of time because he didn't mention and my labs are fine. You know, mm. you can feel OK and still have lab work that that is going to lead to long could lead to long term issues, you know. And I'm, I'm not saying this is the case, but the other thing is I have seen in the past is people running you know, higher doses for long periods of time or high dose in relative to the period of time they're on, should I say. Um, And they say, no, I feel great and I've got no problems and my labs are good. And and well, yeah, that's because the gear you're using is absolutely garbage and you're not actually (laughs) running anything near what you think you are. I've seen that before now as well. Uh, Just while we're on the subject of uh, thick blood. Yeah. A very big cause of that, um, which I didn't realise how impacting it could be, is actually sleep apnea. Oh, yeah. Have we not talked about that here? Yeah, but I'm not sure if we have or not, but I just thought while we were on the subject, I'd bring it up. Sleep sleep apnea has a tremendous impact on blood viscosity, uh, massively so. I mean, you're talking easily can can bring hemo up 30 points. A lot, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's dramatic. I didn't realise how impacting it was until I fucked up myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what, too, because I the reason that my hematocrit had gone higher, I'd been on low test and everything, uh, but it was due to my lungs not working properly from having gotten COVID. And so I thought, like, oh, I'll be good and I'm ready to start up some little antivar, start something up, you know. And then I got my blood checked and I was at 57. I was like, holy crap, 57 point whatever. And it was not because of gear, but because my lungs were having difficulty. So your your blood gets more oxygenated to make up for the fact that you're not able to breathe as well. Just like the case of that CPAP, you know, if you need a well, CPAP. Yeah, you're, you're creating um, effectively high altitude training, aren't you? Because you're, you're starving your body of oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, you know, if you do have uh, sleep apnea, then the other thing that happens is, your heart has to beat a lot harder to get enough oxygen to your brain. So while you're sleeping and your heart rate should be lower, it's actually high. Like you're doing cardio and you end up, you know, putting a lot of it's your heart's a muscle. And if you stress it for too long, you know, think about the way you drive your car. If you, if you're constantly driving your car hard, it's going to wear out a lot quicker. It's a good point, David. Thank you. I, I do try to bring at least something to the show now and again. TTK 100. He's asked us about uh, Increlex before. He says, uh, question for the next episode, Increlex versus IGF-1 LR3. What is the difference? Do they both work for building muscle uh, uh, and everything else you guys have on your mind about both? Thank you. Best show on YouTube. P.S. Congratulations on getting married. Thank you, TTK. Has, that, 
Has anyone ever seen those posts that people pull up when they buy something from China and they have the picture of what it's supposed to look like and the picture of what turns up? <laughs> is is that Incrolex versus IGF one? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that that's my answer to that one. Oh God, that's actually a pretty good pretty good one. I like that. It doesn't have a patch on Incrolex. Incrolex doesn't have any kind like so IGF one. You take that and it it's a slow release, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, so people play around with Incrolex, but what I I don't see particularly in the amateur sort of level is anyone ever actually really dosing it where it needs to be. Yeah, it needs to be quite high, and it becomes very cost product uh, prohibitive very very quickly. Yeah. So you're looking at a starting dose of 0.04 per kilo twice a day. And that's that's a lot, eh? Hmm. So you're you're getting into dosing levels where you were say you were spending 250 to 300 pounds per vial of Incrolex. Yeah. You're probably spending 5, 6, 700 a week. It's nothing, Dave. You can use that from your tax return money. Well, that's the point. Yeah, if we had the tenth, if we had the big tax return money, we could definitely be looking at Incrolex. <laughs> so when you start looking at the cost to run that to create, you know, very high levels of muscle growth, and then you start to look at IGFLR three, and you're like, well, I'm paying twenty five for a bottle of a peptide. <clears throat> you get it for twenty five. You start whatever. I don't know. I'll give get me your, straight give from me, China. Give me, uh, give me your source, Dave. Hook me up, bro. I, I, the peptides that I use, I buy straight from China from manufacturing. Yeah, are you allowed to do that in the UK? Yeah, that's cool. We're not allowed to do that so, here in the US. Yeah, so I just, I, I just like BPC. I pay eight dollars a vial. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. We get it through like mostly research companies, like amino-asylum.com. Use code think. So Scott's obviously after some free peptides. This is why this is get twenty percent off. Um, so I was thinking a discount on our code. Yeah, yeah. I, I set up an affiliate code with them because I use their alkernitine. It's uh, it's been a game changer for me uh, with with like brain fog, cognitive function. I I must admit I tried it the last time I had a proper bash at diet, and I I tried some. Yeah, and I was surprised at the the change in energy levels from it. Yeah, that's good. You should get back on it. It'd be good for you. Yeah, no, I'm a fat fuck. I know I should. Well, I know anyway, you're doing your cardio. You're doing your cardio now. You got your pellet. I, I am. I am doing my cardio. Yes, I did it this morning. Nearly died as usual, but I did it. So um, here's what I see as being the biggest problem with IGFLR3 is that it, it, the inconsistencies uh, source to source. I've used some IGF, man, that I'll tell you, like, blew everything out of the water. Like, I like it was good, dude. Like, you blow up. I, I used this the first time I used IGF. All the pores on my face just, like, disappeared within, like, two days. It was weird. Like, you couldn't. My skin completely changed. And the muscle fullness was crazy. Um but that's I, I, all I see you get off it is muscle fullness. I don't see any really tangible growth. Then other times that I've used other variations, I've had 
everything from a similar effect to nothing. I think that one of the big problems is is being able to get good, consistent IGF. It's not going to be cheap no matter what. So you're taking a gamble on it, you know? Yeah, I just... Uh, loads of people run. I've seen run IGF LR3, and all I've ever seen come out of that is is a, a, a better muscle fullness. I've never really seen anything that could be regarded as tangible, you know, improvement in muscle growth. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying the science isn't there to support it in any way, shape, or form, but I just, I just think the real world impact of it is is it's not really worth it, personally. Yeah, I don't know if it is or not, man. I, I really can't say. It's it's hard to tell. Kind of like with growth hormone, it's not like you don't get the same effect as you would off of, say, taking Oxys or Deanabol, where like you can tell, like, this is working. There's no question. So I, I don't know, man. I'm a little leery of, of IGF. Um, I know that Dr. Rhonda Patrick had said that it could potentially cause cancer long with long-term use for fitness sports all that uh in somebody that otherwise may not have had it so i'm not aware of that but there's there's the old aging thing as well isn't there at the end of the day which is there's potential there too yeah all right so incrolex if you could afford it is what you're saying I just, I just don't think the two are in any way compatible. Um, I, 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 you know, I really do think you're, you're talking about two wildly different compounds. Um, like I said, you know, the the picture of the dress you're supposed to buy from China and the tissue that turned up. <laughs> All right. Uh, has anyone tried try trend and had right. good results? Is he out of prison? Rolf Harris. Yeah. Who's Rolf Harris? He, he was a kid's entertainer who got sent to prison for being a nonce. For what? Being a nonce. What's a nonce? A pedophile, sir. Oh, you guys say the word pedo too, don't you? Yeah, you say pedophile, don't you? Yeah, we never, we don't have the shortened version, which I think is very clever and easier to say. Pedo. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think pedo would really work. <laughs> pedo. <laughs> But anyway, um, so Ralph Ralph Harris is back out of prison, and he's interested in trying some trend. Yeah, that may explain some of his previous behavior. What, what, um, is, what is try trend? First of all, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a blend of three different trend esters, usually Ace, X, and Nth. Okay, you've had no, a lot labs of- do put their own labs do put their own personal spin on it from time to time. Yeah, and you've seen, with the work you've done, you've seen a lot of lab results on various gear, um, things that say we're supposed to have master on and trend and test, and they just had, like, trend and trend and test. Um, do you think that a tri-trend would most likely be all three esters from a UGL lab, first of all? I, I very rarely find, from what I've seen, blends to be genuine. Okay. Um, sometimes they do contain all the components, but they're never dosed as they're supposed to be. But more often than not, they'll be heavy on one and light on another. Yeah. Um, it's like when you look at UGL sus, you tend to find that the uh, propionate element of it uh, is um, 
usually are much higher than it should be. Oh, really? Because it's, it's the cheapest element. Oh, okay. Test, test prop is cheap as shit to buy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Uh, I, I personally, I don't like long acting trend on its own. I've used trend E. It's not my favorite. Trends, trend, trends, an incredible drug. You know, you can't take away what it can achieve, but it has one hell of a sting in its tail if it's not for you. Yeah. Um, and the problem is that it may be okay for you for four or five cycles, and then the sixth one, all of a sudden, it's not. Yeah. And, and the issue I see with that is that a large percentage of people that have problems with trend still have problems when they lose the trend. Hmm. The, anxi the anxiety issues and that sort of stuff can often stay. And then it takes a long time of basically mental programming to, to train your head to work around those anxiety issues. We had a guy last week or last episode uh, say that he was dealing with sleep issues with trend. And we asked, uh, you know, what do our listeners think? Do they like trend? There were a, a lot of people that were like, I love trend. It's a great drug. I'll never use it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't deny how impact it is. You can't deny how powerful it is and its derivatives. You know, you, you can't deny how powerful they are. Yeah. But as you know, any drug in, in this industry that has a big impact from a point of view of positive effects will have a big impact from a point of view of negative effects. It doesn't just because you don't experience it doesn't mean they're not happening. Just means you're not sensitive to them at that point. Yeah. I mean, I had anxiety for years because of ephedrine. Really? Yeah, I, I used to take a lot of ephedrine. And even after you stopped, you had anxiety. Years. Huh. Years. You think you the, the ephedrine caused it, or did it bring out something that was already there? Oh, I definitely think the ephedrine caused it. Okay. The, the, problem, with, the problem with anxiety is that you can have a physical or a chemical trigger that creates anxiety, but then you end up with a thought process linked to that. So when you remove the physical trigger, you've still got the mental trigger. So yeah. then you have to start to teach your brain a way of working around your thought processes so you'd no longer trigger it mentally. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Hmm. Well, that's all the questions we got, Dave. There was a couple in the feed. Was there? Yeah. Um, Why is Christmas Cabbage staring off into space? Is he tripping? Yeah, he's on drugs. He had a joint before we started because he was a bit nervous. David, you let that happen? Well, he's, you know, he's 18. He can do what he wants, can't he? He doesn't listen to me anyway. Oh, you're right. I, I see uh, one here. Was this the one you're looking at, Justin? Yeah. He says, uh, would you recommend taking GH and insulin at the same time pre and post workout to get a synergistic effect on IGF-1 production. Many people and coaches recommend it using them separately at different times to get the most out of each. What's your thoughts? I 
Not a big fan of the old pre-post. Um, done it. Done it to the nth degree, really. Yeah. Was a disciple disciple of Milos for a while. You worked with him, or no? You just yeah, followed? Yeah, you worked, yeah, no, yeah. I worked with him. Yeah. Took a lot of insight uh, at the time. That's an understatement. A lot, lot of insulin. <laughs> yeah, we were, I think we were about 100 IU post. It's a lot of insulin. How much carbs are you using then? I can't fucking remember. Huh. Uh, a lot of insulin. About, about 40 pre. Okay. A lot of, Malos uses a lot of intra and, and pre, a lot of perinutrition and, and, and intra nutrition. And yeah. Uh, I I just think it's a false economy having lived through it and, and also spoken to other people that have done the same. Um, and generally, I just found massive fullness, massive, massive fullness. Huh, okay. But it was, it was to the point where, you know, you were deceived into thinking it was muscle growth. Um, literally 20 pound extra. But when you stopped, it just all pissed out. Yeah, it's a um, it's a lot of a lot of a lot of bloat. I would imagine. I, I I just found it. I actually found it detracting from training. Okay, because you were you were trying to get this pre shape down to match with the insulin you were using. You were then trying to get your intra workout stuff in, uh, where I much prefer to train. I wouldn't say fasted, but definitely not with a lot of shit sitting on my stomach. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Pumps were insane. I mean, the pumps were insane. But they were detrimental to the workout because my range of motion suffered so badly. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I was I was never a big fan. Um, and I don't think it's particularly productive. Um, uh, regards the synergistic effect, timing is, as far as I understand, difficult to get right. And there is a semi-cancellation effect if you get them too close to each other. Well, if you're trying to use growth hormone to lose fat, you will blunt the fat loss effect from GH mm -hmm. if blood sugar is high. So there is that. I well, go. On. I I just I tend to think I you know because I've tried it myself as well every way. And I, I tend to think that it doesn't really matter, honestly. I mean, if you're going to use it for fat loss, then I think the best time to use growth would be first thing in the morning with fasted cardio. And if your goal is to grow muscle, then just take it. Let's get it in. <coughs> really. I, I like a little bit of insulin with meals, GHPM, if you're gaining and beyond that, I don't think there's any real need for anything else. Fair enough. We had one more from Alfonso. Dave mentioned that cardio isn't slow walking. Uh, that cardio, which is slow walking, isn't cardio. Uh, I agree, but is higher intensity cardio, such as running, rowing, or biking, beneficial toward lean muscle gains? What is the sweet spot in terms of days, total minutes a week? I would personally look at three, two to three, 
probably more three 20 minute hit sessions a week i wouldn't say i'd particularly be looking at running i i, I think it's an awful cardio method okay um particularly for someone who's wanting to develop muscle mass um not because i think it's detrimental to progress developing muscle mass i just think it's way too high impact yeah um you know if you're two three 20 30 pound i'm, I'm going to convert it to american if you're 20 30 pound over you know what would be your genetic frame then you trying to run with that is not going to do your feet your ankles your knees any good or your hips any good long term um i like stuff like functional cardio so effectively stuff like strongman training uh, i think is really good you know battle roads sled pulls things like that or, or hit work on a bike definitely things like that hit work on a rower um the the thing is i've never seen anyone have a detrimental effect to their muscle growth by doing 60 minutes of hard cardio total in a week Here's what I would suggest is watch your recovery if you're doing this stuff. You know, if you're doing, say, wind gates, wind sprints on a bike, uh, and, and you know, watch your legs. Are they are, are they getting depleted? Uh, are you are they not recovering from your training as well? And if so, then that may give you some insight that you're doing too much of it, maybe. Uh, otherwise, I think it could be really beneficial. But I, that would be my thought is watch your recovery and, and let that dictate whether, you know, it's working well for you or not. The other thing is I'd make it varied. Okay, yeah. I like that. So I wouldn't just do, you know, three sessions a week on a rower or three sessions a week on a bike. I'd make it varied. I'd try and make it as varied as possible. You know, that might be something a little bit unconventional. Um you know, another a sport of some sort that you 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 play a little bit of, or, or something of that nature, in order to get that conditioning working. But a big, big, and it's come over the years. But and and the stupid thing was in in my the bulk of my training, I was very anti cardio. Um, I was very like it's unnecessary calorie burn. It's this, it's that, the other, and I've I've learned to realise that actually I would have done better, and I would have progressed better, and I would have done more if I did more cardio. Yeah, the saving grace I I had was that I did train very intensely, and I did train at very short rest intervals. So I got an element of it into my training anyway. But yeah, um, and I think if most people think about it when they get into their cardio for their cuts, particularly if they're doing hit cardio, they do actually find that until the calories get too low, they do find a big benefit from it and they do feel well. And generally they progress better in the gym. And then the, the, the deficit of calories becomes impacting and then everything starts to get a little bit more difficult to balance. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of it. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that fear that um, cardio is going to, you know, mess up their gains or something. But mm -hmm. in reality, if you can keep your because I, I can recall many times where I was huffing and puffing to get up a flight of steps. And if I had had my cardio strength higher while at a higher body fat, I probably could have gotten more out of my training, too. You know, mm. I mean, the thing is, the other thing is where I look at it is this. 
we probably spend more money on food than anything. I mean, I yeah. know drugs can be expensive, but I think our biggest cost is food. Sure. Doing steps has very little physical benefit in the sense of cardiovascular improvement, et cetera, et cetera, unless you're very unfit. Yeah. Um, and, and basically all that is is calorific burn. So, and I get the argument that higher food in keeps you fuller, gives you higher nutrients, but you burn off the excess to try and manage your body fat levels. Get that completely. But if I'm going to spend all this money on food and then I'm going to do cardio to burn it off, I want to burn off the calorie side of things or the cost of the food. I want that to be as beneficial as possible. And steps and going for a walk offers me no benefit rather than calorific burn. All right, I might get me out of the house and clear my head and stuff like that. But whereas if I do conditioning work, I'm still burning the calories. I'm still removing the excess calories from the excess food. I'm still putting myself in a nutritional positive state, but I'm actually getting added benefit because I'm getting cardiovascular fitter, which means I can train harder, which means I can stimulate harsher, you know, muscle growth and therefore grow bigger, faster and stronger. Absolutely. All right, listen, I got one more actually in the feed. Let's see here. Where was that? Uh, Kyle, thoughts on using Novalin R pre-training? Even though it's a longer peak, can you still use it uh, similarly to uh, short-term insulin? I'd still consider it to be a, a short-term insulin. R stands yeah, for rapid. It's active, I think, for, is it about 10 hours? Totally. You're going to get, like, I think it's six. But I, six? I, I thought it was longer than that. So yeah, you're going to get a date on that. You know, you're going to need to cover it for, like, three meals, basically. Yeah, I, again, we go. We, we sort of covered this with the conversation about insulin and growth, didn't we? So neither has really see a major benefit to running it pre-work. Insulin, I do. Insulin, I would put pre-workout. And, and the Wouldn't thought... You? Yeah, yeah. Growth hormone, I'm less concerned about. But insulin, I do think um, you're going to get more benefit that you're going to be able to shuttle more carbs. You know, my my thought is, and I know that you don't see it as being a direct muscle gain thing, but I do think that if you're shuttling more nutrients to storage, if you're getting a better pump, if you're volumizing the muscle, that, that you are going to lead to more muscular growth. I do think that that is a thing. So I do think that around training i do think it's a good time and i would say that you know what the majority of people are using something like a novelin r or a humulin r at least in the u.s because that's over the counter and you can get it for 25 dollars if you go to walmart versus trying to get a hold of humalog or something else that's really quick fias but those are going to require a prescription and it's going to be a pain in the ass to get see the way i see it your growth is limited by your stimulation and you don't stimulate more muscle growth from using insulin. You move more nutrient, you may improve recovery, but your recovery should be on point anyway. So it adds nothing to further growth. It only adds to further recovery, which is still controlled by how much you stimulate by how hard you train. Sure. You're going to optimize that recovery, though. You are, but you unless you take advantage of that by training more frequently, and most people don't. Well, or training hard. I, I, I think that you could always, I think that, I, I don't think that, I think you can, re, 
I don't think it's, you know, we've talked about it before. I don't think that you've either recovered or you haven't recovered. I think that you can do just fine without it, but you may do even better with it would be my thought. Okay. I don't know. Danny Zane, I'll answer that one because I think that's worth answering. Let's see. Question for Dave. Is there a relationship between prolactin and estrogen? Uh, if one increased, does the other increase as well? Yes. In a nutshell. Um, as estrogen elevates, it will drag prolactin up with it. Um, the other thing that will happen, though, if you then subsequently lower estrogen, prolactin will go even higher. Okay. So I see time and time again guys in TRT, but with very high prolactin. Um, uh, and they're like, well, how has this happened? And it's generally usually because their estrogen has gone high on cycle. They've come off cycle, their estrogen dropped, and their prolactin has elevated even more. What I find strange, um, Scott might be able to add more to this. Clever Scott, not you. Um, is that... When I see prolactin elevated from estrogen fluctuation, um, it doesn't seem to be anywhere near as impacting as prolactin elevated from PR um, agonist. So from, you know, stuff like nandrolones that are engaging with a progesterone receptor. Okay. That seems to be a much more aggressive form of prolactin. And obviously, it's not. It's the same hormone. So there's something else going on in that mechanism that makes that prolactin more impacting. Hmm. I've seen guys on cycle with prolactin 650, 700, and their libido's trashed. Their sexual recovery is trashed. And yet, I've seen guys on TRT posting similar numbers, and they're fine. Now, I appreciate different individuals, different responses. But at the same time, when you see this repetitive pattern, you start to question, so prolactin is elevated in both cases, so what other mechanism behind this is increasing the effect of that prolactin? I'm guessing it's down to the progesterone receptor, but I'm not quite sure. Scott might have some better ideas than me. We'll have to ask him at some point. Hmm. I found that... I've only ever had a few random rare cases where somebody actually had true problems with prolactin that couldn't be solved by controlling estrogen. I found that if you can keep estrogen managed, that prolactin is generally not an issue. And I mean, literally out of, you know, at this point, man, after 13, 14 years of prepping people, I can literally say hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds, you know, and I, I can say it's been less than five people that actually had a true problem with prolactin. But there's definitely, uh, definitely, um, you know, the estrogen is the main thing. You do want to, if you keep estrogen controlled, then prolactin issues are very, very unlikely. But I just don't, I can't work out why when you have elevated prolactin that's come from estrogen going high and dropping back down again. Uh, and then you've got elevated practice information going high and coming back down, but with an andrelone in play, the, the sides from the practice are much greater. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm guessing it's, it's involved in the progesterone receptor, but I'm not quite sure how. Hmm. 
Okay. Well, in that case, Dave, that's that's all the time we have for the show. I got a wedding picture yeah, here. I'll show you. Okay. Check this out. There's me and Victoria Aww. on our on our beautiful day. She looked so great. I was. Uh, it was a Why really nice day. Yeah. We were in a greenhouse. Why are you in a green? I, I, I'm. Why are you in a greenhouse? That's where she wanted to get married. You got married in the greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of plants and stuff. Yeah, a lot no, of like, no, we had all sorts no. of plants and stuff there. It's uh not, not not knocking it, just unusual, that's all. Yeah, you know, most people like get it married in a church. A well, or a, a, a hotel or function type building of some description. Yeah. yeah, we had all sorts of pictures like in the greenhouse with like surrounded by stuff, you know, plants and stuff like that. So it was so, in the UK, the premises has to have a license to hold the ceremony of wedding. Now, I take it that's not the case in the States, though. I guess not, no. You just have to have somebody who's licensed to marry you. Yeah. And you know what, too? Um, if you want to get married at somebody's property, uh, they charge you a lot of money. There's that. The minute you mention wedding, they're like, oh, we would love to have you give us a lot of money. That's what I learned. So you went to a greenhouse because you're a cheap house. Is that what you're saying? No, wedding. They 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 asked for a lot of money too. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice though. You know, we we couldn't do it at a um, you know, like an outdoor event. There's there's no way we could do like outdoor gardens at the end of February. No, so no. it it was actually really nice because it was the the temperature was warm in there and the light was bright and we were surrounded by all sorts of greenery. Very small. You know, we had um. We had six guests. That was very small and intimate. So it was nice because we didn't feel like we were trying to run around and talk to everyone. It was just, it was chill, man. It was fun. No, you do, you do tend to spend, especially on big weddings, you do tend to spend the whole day sorting out everybody else rather than actually enjoying your day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to not do that. So it worked out nice. It's good. So oh, just, just unusual. Let's say it's just something I'm not um I've never seen before. That's yeah, we did that and then we went out for a nice dinner uh at a steakhouse afterward. Did it, you have um you go away for the, the evening post wedding for a couple of days or anything? Well we, we stayed just at that night. The steakhouse there it was at a hotel, uh a really mm-hmm. nice hotel. It was a really cool suite that we stayed in. And we're planning on doing something else uh, in the near future. So we we got to figure out what we want to do and, and, you know, get the logistics sorted. But, man, I'll tell you what, the steaks we had were amazing. Like, they were they were very nice. In fact, have you ever heard of Wagyu beef? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually massage the cows. Mm, I know. It's Japanese or Chinese. Japanese, I think, isn't it? Japanese, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Very expensive beef. Yeah, they it, and it's very delicious too. They massage the cows daily and feed them mm-hmm. special diets and stuff. And man, it was they incredible. Are, they are tret like royalty of those cows. That's crazy, isn't it? And it's uh, when you look at the meat, it's got a very fine fat marbling through it, but it's through all of the meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was delicious, man. I would like to eat that steak every day. Although <laughs> it's not going to happen. Not at that price, eh? Yes, yes. 
Um, so uh, do you have anything going on? Anything you want to tell people about Dave or is eval doing any kind of, uh, events or anything like that? So next weekend we are on Saturday. We are at, um, Crayford's Weight and Fitness in Dartford on Sunday. We are at Rip Gym in Basildon. Both will be 10 till two o'clock. Other than that, it's pretty quiet. Um, bodybuilding season's kicking off. Obviously, we're doing a lot of work with Fitex this year. Um, we've got the Fitex Expo in, I think it's July as well. So we're, we're trying to gear up for that and get everything ready for that. Hmm. Um, other than that, it's pretty same day different shit really or you know different day same shit which we sorry i said that wrong yeah same different day same shit but it's, it's good but steady away uh no complaints go out and see dave guys get some lab work done anytime that evals there you should definitely stop by uh you should definitely get some blood drawn you should ask dave for some pizza because he will buy you one if no, in I fact it's a rule at eval that every time you get blood work done dave is contractually obligated to have lunch with you i've got itchy nose you like lunch don't you i like food in general i didn't get this fucking size for skimping on food did i <laughs> well there you go <laughs> you get you get lunch <clears throat> all you have to do is buy some for your client it'll be good you're making money it's good it's business it's a write-off Fine. I'll guys, send you the bill. Guys, if you uh, if you want to ask questions on the next episode, uh, comment on the YouTube uh, post. We would be happy to take your questions on the next show. Dave, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Yes, sir. And once again, congratulations. Um, yes, Michelle. No, I don't, Michelle. Dave buys lunch for you. In fact, you're, you're not getting any lunch after today, so I'd be stepped very carefully. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Dave. And guys, go to, uh, as I said, uh, evalbloodenoisis.com. You can sign up to do some labs with Dave there. Go to our great sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Check out uh, supplementsource.ca if you're in Canada. Get some good deals on some blowout deals, in fact, on some awesome supplements. And thank you to everybody who has supported us on Patreon. And by the way, thank you to everybody for all your kind words about the wedding. Uh, Victoria and I really appreciate you. Thank you, guys. And and I guess thank you too, Dave, I guess. Why? For your kind words. Thank you. Yeah, but you don't like me, so why pretend for people? It's a show, Dave. Just smile. You I know, it. but all you'll do is you'll do this, and then we'll hang up, and then I'll just get loads of WhatsApp messages about how shit I am and how you carry me in the show and how you're sick of looking after me. And how you do better on your own, and how your other podcasts do much better than this one does, and, and generally over abusive texts about my physical person. Where did and, the cabbage go? No, oh, he's wandered off. He's done. He's, he's, he's his part's over. He's he's off his tits, and he can't cope anymore. Um, you know, and all, so don't people watching this don't believe. All this crap he comes out with being this nice guy, you know, and he's really polite and everything is all bullshit. Dave? 
Tidella even <laughs> sends me, you know, he sends me videos threatening me with weapons and all sorts. I got my eye on you. He, he even keeps threatening he's going to come to the UK, which is really scary. <laughs> We are. That was. That's what we want to do. Victoria and I want to come out there for uh, a honeymoon and uh, and, and Let me know do a little when. travels. Let me know when. Oh no! I don't want you to know yeah, when I'm you... traveling out of the country. Let me know when you're coming for your honeymoon, so I can go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're in France this week. <laughs> All right, guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you soon. Take care, though.